Father, we thank you so much for uh, your word. We thank you so much that you have given us uh, just uh, the ability to understand these things. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to learn what it means to be unstained. And in this particular area that we're going to talk about tonight, Father, give us insight into these things and help us to uh, be clear and to, and to be practical with what we're going to be talking about. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so unstained is, is not just the topic for what we've been talking about, and it's not just the topic for what we're going to be talking about this semester, although it is, but it's also going to be the name of our group on Wednesday nights. That's actually going to be the name. Like, we've been calling it unstained, and we're going to keep it calling it unstained, even if the topic changes in the future. So, but for this semester, uh, we are still going to continue the topic of unstained. Uh, what does it mean to be unstained? How do you live in the world and not be of the world? Is kind of the idea here, okay? And so we're going to continue that topic, and uh, we're going to approach 10 different practical subjects, okay? 10 different practical subjects. Uh, we're going to talk about parents and family. We're going to talk about church. We're going to talk about unsaved friends. We're going to talk about your future spouse, your future wife or husband, okay? We're going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about music and movies. We're going to talk about sports and competition. We're going to talk about reading your Bible. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about worship. Okay, so those are the subjects we're going to be covering over this semester for Unstained. Okay, and I'm really excited about all these different topics. And uh, the the nice thing is it's going to be very practical, very practical. Okay, it's going to be really. Um, you're going to find it to be very applicable to your life. And so I'm, I'm very, very excited about this. Um, now, there's also going to be a couple of different things. We're going to also uh, include on some of those evenings some theme nights, some theme nights, okay? And what I mean by that is we're going to do stuff like maybe, you know, favorite cereal night, okay? <laughs> Something goofy like that. Or we might do like a Disney-type theme night, Okay? If you like Disney, I don't know. Uh, we'll also do, we'll also break up our time and we'll stop our normal um, evening where we'll, where we'll do in a different topic and we'll just do a game night, okay? We might do like a, I don't know, some kind of a, a athletic type game night. We might do a board game night. We'll do a couple of game nights and, and to kind of mix it up a little bit, all right? Uh, so, so those will be coming uh, down the pike as well and I'll let you know when those are coming. So. Uh, but the topic for tonight is, is we're continuing our subject in unstained, okay? Unstained. And we did a three-part series last time, and you guys, you know, some of you guys who were here last time, or for the last couple of times that we've done this, what were the three topics that we talked about? Give me at least one. What was one topic that we talked about? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Love others probably is, yeah, that one. So, yeah, love others. Love others is one. Good. What else was one? Yeah. Love God. Love God. Good. So, we have love God, love others. And there's one more. Number three. What was the last one? Probably not as easy, but, but yeah. It's a good guess, but no. You weren't there for this one, so. What's up? No, it's the second one. Yeah, Joel. Yeah. 
Yeah, very good. Love from the heart. Yep, very good. So love God, love from the heart, and love others. Those are the three topics. And why did we discuss those three topics? You guys know why? You remember why? Even harder question. Any ideas? No? Why did we discuss those three topics? What do those, ha- those have in common? Love God, love him from your heart, love others. Any ideas? Well, love, that's true. That's true, but yeah? Oh, okay. It, because it comes from one passage. It comes from one passage. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Go and you turn your Bibles there for a moment. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Sir, can I have a volunteer to read this passage? 37 through 4, verses 37 through 40. Don't be shy. Sam. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Very good. This is the passage that I used last time to base our three uh, sermons on, our three discussions. And I use this kind of as a blueprint to talk about what it means to be unstained, all right? Now, I want you to notice something. He says, on these depend all the law and the prophets, okay? That word depend actually means hang. It means to hang, like when you hang something up. Like, you know, you see all these pictures behind me here? They're all hanging, right? Now, here's the thing. A picture on a wall is only as stable as its nail or its screw that's hanging on it, right? Like if it's a really weak nail, it's not going to hang the picture very well, right? Well, your Christian life is only as stable and as strong as your love for God and your love for others. That's kind of what this is talking about here, okay? And, And so this is very important because it tells us this is what the Christian life is all about. All of life hangs on this. If we don't get this right, then we're going to mess up the Christian life. And so to live unstained means to love God, to love him with all your heart, and to love your neighbor as yourself or to to love others. And so that's why I broke it up into those three parts. And so on Sundays, we we kind of even talked about this, that the Ten Commandments are broken down into two parts, right? What are the two parts are broken down into? Broken down to what? Like if you break break up the Ten Commandments, yeah. Close, yeah. Uh, Flip flop those. The first half is about God. The second half is about people. Yep. So good. But so that, that's good though. Yeah. And that's the idea here. The the this is not this is not something new or novel that Jesus came up with. Jesus got this from the Old Testament. This is the way it's always been. Uh, love God, love others. And so tonight. What I want to do is begin to talk about that in a very practical way. Every area of life is impacted by this, and one area of life that is impacted by this is the way you relate to your parents and your family, okay? The way you relate to your parents 
and your family. Now, what's the most famous verse in the Bible that talks about parents? What's like the, what's the, what's the easy one? That, yeah, Ephesians 6, 1, which is? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, exactly. So, you know, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, right? You've probably heard this before. Well, I don't actually want to go there tonight. I don't want to go to that passage because I think you know it. And I think it's obvious. But I, what I want to do is kind of come at this from the back door a little bit, okay? And I want to give you kind of just three observations. Three observations that if you find yourself in your home constantly fighting with your parents, or arguing with your brothers and sisters, if that's something that you struggle with, then I want to give you three observations, okay? Three observations. Number one is this. You love yourself too much, okay? You love yourself too much, okay? These are going to be very kind of in-your-face type of stuff, okay? You just, you love yourself too much. That's the first observation, all right? Uh, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And can I get another volunteer to read the first two verses of 2 Timothy 3? Grace, you want to read those? Okay, good. Disobedient to parents. You guys see that there? Disobedient to parents in verse 2. Now, uh, this is, that's put in a list of a lot of really bad stuff, right? Like being arrogant, being boastful. But notice also what it says, lovers of selves. Lovers of selves. The first thing on the list, to be disobedient to parents is to be a lover of self. It's to be a lover of self. It means you love yourself way too much. Now, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, has a name for this kind of person. You know what it calls this kind of person? A fool. This is a fool. Okay? And if you're like, well, that sounds kind of harsh. Well, the Proverbs has five different stages of being a fool. Okay? There's five different stages. All right? There's a simple fool. There's a stupid fool. There's a settled fool. There's a shameless fool. And there's a scornful fool. Okay? And it kind of gets, goes from bad to worse. A simple fool is just someone who doesn't know any better. Somebody's just kind of like, well, I don't know if this is right or not, but I just kind of I do it, you know? And, you know, it's kind of like someone who, like, who's like a, a teenager who steals his parents' car, or doesn't steal it, I'm sorry, he borrows his parents' car, and his parents told him, like, don't speed, and he's like, okay, I won't speed, but then just kind of like is racing his friend one day and just accidentally speeds and just kind of, kind of goes out the window on his mind, okay? That's a simple fool, but a stupid fool is someone who actually plans to speed and says, no, I'm actually going to go out and actually, like, gun this thing, okay? Now, a settled fool takes it a step further. A settled fool says, I'm going to steal the car while my parents aren't looking or while they're gone or something like that, okay? And I'm going to take it for a little joyride. A shameless fool is someone who decides to drink and drive. Someone who just doesn't care, is, is just shameless. He flaunts it. He just he fights back with his parents. He doesn't care. A scornful fool is someone who won't even obey his parents even once. He just wants to just, just stick it to them and say, I don't care. So there's kind of like a, 
a, a, a progression here, okay? And so to be a fool is to be someone who, who just completely uh, ignores his parents to one degree or another and, and just disobeys them. And so if you struggle with, with relationships in your family, ask yourself this, which kind of fool am I? Because it's not as if you're not a fool and you just kind of slip into it from time to time. No, you're a fool. But what kind of fool are you? Okay? You're a lover of self. And how much do you actually love yourself? Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. There is no God. He says this because he loves himself. And you might say, well, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. But you don't act like it. But you don't act like it. So you're really saying, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. So what would I suggest that you do? What would I suggest that you do? I would say this. Seek. Seek the Lord. That's what I suggest that you do. If you are the kind of person who's a lover of self, and you're constantly fighting in uh, your parents or your, your brothers and sisters, seek the Lord. Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he, while he may be near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the man of iniquity his thoughts. And return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on you. Yes, to our God, because he freely forgives. So repent. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. That's what I would challenge you to do. Number two, number two, uh, here's another observation. You want something, and you're not getting it. You want something, and you're not getting it. It's not just that you love yourself too much. There's also something you want for yourself, and there are desires in the inside that are craving what you want. Um, if you're constantly fighting, uh, you want something and you're not getting it. That's the fact. And that might seem obvious, but that's called idolatry. That's what that is. That's, that's idolatry. Now, some teenagers want freedom. Some want peace or their own space. Uh, some want certain kinds of friends and their parents won't let them have them. Some want a certain way of life and they're not getting it. Some want order and stability in their life and they don't have it in the chaos in their home. Well, the Bible calls this, these desires. They're pleasures. And some pleasures are good. In fact, some of these are good pleasures. But here's the thing. Some good pleasures can be turned into bad pleasures. Uh, wanting peace in, in space is fine. Even wanting your own freedom is kind of a good thing to, because uh, it's part of growing up and leaving the home. But all desires, all pleasures become more important than what God has for you. That's what, what idolatry is, when it becomes more important than, one, than what God wants for you. Uh, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 talks about where do quarrels and conflicts come among you? Do they not come from within, from your pleasures that wage war among your members. You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you will spend them on your pleasures. That's the, that's the truth. But when, when does a good desire turn into sin? Well, James 4, verse 3 tells us, because when you want something and you don't get it, 
you do either one of three things. Either one, you get jealous, and you just stay jealous inside your heart, or two, you let your jealousy come out of you and you start fighting and quarreling, or three, you let your fighting and quarreling turn into murder. And that's, that's what the progression that James talks about here, there's, that's how you know it turns into sin. Does it turn into jealousy? Does it turn into fighting? Does it turn into physical contact? That's, what, that's what's going on here. So sin is more than just fighting and arguing. Sin is, includes misplaced desires, okay? Idolatrous desires. And what would I suggest that you do? What would I suggest that you do? Be humble. Be humble. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So, humble yourself, humble yourself. Number three, number three is this. You love others too little. You love others too little. Uh, fights and arguments in the home come because you fail to think about the other person. Every time you're fighting, all you're thinking about is yourself. You're not thinking about other people. Uh, you're too consumed with yourself. Um, but you might say, well, they're the ones who always started. It's their fault. Well, it makes no difference. It makes no difference. You're engaging in the fight with them. It doesn't matter what family you live in. All families have a 100% success rate of turning out sinners. Everyone's a sinner. Everyone fights. It doesn't matter. Even though they're the aggressor, you still contribute. And that's because everyone's a sinner. You can't find a family where there's not a sinner. It doesn't matter. So the question's not if you have conflict, but what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? And you might say, well, you don't know my family. You don't know my parents or my brother or my sister. Well, that might be true. I might not know them as well as you do. They may be, you know, crazy for all I know, you know. But what does Matthew 5 say? You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not, res uh, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. And whoever, you know, sues you and wants to take your shirt, let him have your coat as well. Whoever forces you to go one mile, take a second mile with him. That's what it says. Even if people are unfair, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So the question's not how bad's the conflict, but what are you going to do about it? So, and you might, be, you might be saying, well, I just can't help it. That's just who I am. That's who I am by nature. Well, if you're a Christian, I certainly hope that's not the case because you can help it if you are a Christian. You have the power to change. Our old self with, was crucified with Christ in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we will no longer be slaves to sin. For who he who has died is freed from sin. But maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you, maybe you can't get away from this. Maybe you are locked to sin. Maybe you are a slave to sin. Maybe you have no capacity to change at all. If that's the case, then I want to encourage you that you need the gospel. You need to submit to Christ. You must repent of your sin because you haven't yet. If that's something that you can't get out of, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you haven't actually repented of your sins. 
if it's something that dominates you to the point where you can't actually do what's right and you find yourself getting just bogged down with fighting with your parents and arguing with your brothers and sisters, that's something to really look at your own heart at and say, am I really a Christian? And here's kind of the thing, you know, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, what would I suggest for you? I would suggest this, forgive, forgive. So either one, if you're a Christian, you need to forgive. Two, if you're a non-Christian, you need to be forgiven. You need to be forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Uh, if you don't get along with your family, uh, you have, there's really three observations here. You love yourself too much, you want something and you're not, you're not getting it, and you love others too little. And notice, that follows our pattern here. Love God, which is the opposite of loving yourself too much. You want something that, and you're not getting it. That's loving from the heart. The opposite of that is to love from the heart. And you love others too little. Well, the opposite of that is to love others. And, and that's really the bottom line here is that we need to be people, if we're going to be unstained in our relationships with our parents and our family, we have to be people who love God, love others, and we're loving from the heart. We're changed from the inside out. So if you don't get along with your family, I have three, those three challenges for you. Seek the Lord, be humble, and forgive or be forgiven. Okay? Seek the Lord, be humble, and forgive or be forgiven. Now, those are my challenges to you. But what about practically speaking? Because that's not, that is a challenge, but that's not practical enough in one sense. Because it's like, well, okay, well, I want to seek the Lord. I want to be humble. I want to, uh, you know, forgive people. But how do I do that? Okay? I have something that my dad has told me all, all growing up, okay? How do you handle conflict in relationships? Okay? And I, there's, there's four rules that, that go along with this, okay? And these have been so helpful for me. I would write these down and I would memorize them, okay? They are extremely helpful. Number one, be honest. Be honest. In any relationship that you have, be honest. It always starts with honesty. You must be honest. You can't lie. You can't be someone who's, who's changing the truth. That's going to cause way more conflict. You might think like, well, if I hold back information, or if I change it, then maybe it's going to diffuse the problem. No, 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 no. That's going to make it worse. You must be honest. Number two, you must keep calm. Keep calm. Keep calm and carry on, okay? So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Keep calm. Just keep calm. Keep calm, all right? Remain calm. Don't get agitated. Don't panic. Don't be someone who, who just gets fired up and, and, and just gets all flustered. Remain calm. It's not the end of the world. You know, everyone has a fight. Everyone, everyone, and e even in my family, I grew up in a really good family. Like, my parents are awesome. My siblings, all Christians, we, we love each other. But we had fights. Every family has fights. So it happens. Keep calm, okay? Be honest. Keep calm. Attack the problem, not the person. Number three, attack the problem, not the person. One of the greatest uh, mistakes that people make in conflict, in any type of uh, 
fight or a, an argument is that they're attacking the person and they're not going after the problem. Strategize. Say, let's, let's come together and, you know, let's, you know, maybe if you're, you're fighting with your parents, say, you know, okay, well, you know, I, how can, you know, ask your parents, how can we resolve this? Come with a humble attitude and say, how can we solve this problem so that we don't get into a worse fight than it already is? Attack the problem. Try to come up with a plan and bring everyone who's in the argument into that plan and say, let's, let's do this. And let me tell you, if you do that with your parents, they're gonna like, their jaw's gonna drop. If you, if you have that kind of an attitude and you initiate the idea of, I'm not gonna attack you, but I'm gonna attack this problem. Let's attack this together. Let's be a team. Let's not be people who are fighting each other. They're gonna be floored. That's gonna be, that's gonna solve problems, leaps and bounds. You're gonna actually solve the problem like halfway already. Like that's gonna be huge. So be honest, keep calm, attack the problem, not the person. Act, don't react. Act, don't react. In other words, be proactive about solving the problem. Don't just, just, just get inflamed when someone irritates you. The, the natural reaction is just, to, is just to be like, oh, like, and start yelling at people whenever like something, you know, they, they do something you don't like or they suggest something you don't like or something like that. No, 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 act, be proactive and say, here's our plan, here's what we wanna do, how are we gonna put that into action? You know, write down for yourself five ways that you can, that you can uh, not just solve the problem, that you're actually gonna live it out. Be like, okay, number one, I'm going to, I'm going to find passages in the Bible that talk about the problem that I'm having with my parents right now. That's, that's one way I'm gonna act. I'm gonna find passages. Number two, I'm gonna pray about it. I'm gonna take every, every night and I'm gonna pray about it. I'm gonna say, this is, I wanna bring this to the Lord and I wanna pray about this. Number three, I'm going to, I'm going to, because I have such a hard time talking with my parents and, and, and I keep arguing with them, I'm going to mention to them one thing I'm thankful for them every day. I'm gonna go up to them and say, thank you mom and dad for doing this for me and for, for being this kind of person in my life. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Uh, that's going to diffuse um, your problems, your fights really quickly. You know, come up with a strategy. And if you need help with that, come ask me. You know, come ask one, one of us, you know, older people in the group here. Like, how do, how do we, like, how would we go about this? You know, talk with us. Uh, you know, it's, it's no mystery here. There's all, I know you guys struggle with obeying your parents. I know you guys struggle with, um, you know, fighting with brothers and sisters. I know. You want to know how I know? Because I did. I did. And how else I know? Because every junior high student that I've worked with in the past has told me that. That's like the number one issue they tell me. I'm just, I'm really struggling with obeying my parents. It's like the number one thing that's put on the table. It's like, it's like the most obvious thing out there and just, that's, that's, that's the number one thing. I know you guys struggle with this, but I want you guys to become experts in handling it because it's one of the best things you could do as a Christian is to know how to handle relationships. And if you can handle relationships with your parents while you're underneath their authority, that's gonna make it 10 times easier to do it when you get out in the world, when you have to you know, work for a boss you don't like, or you have to you know, 
you know, sit underneath a coach that you don't like and all, all the different things he has you do, or you have to, um, you know, even sometimes deal with people in the church you don't like, people just kind of rub your fur the wrong way, you know, that happens. How do you actually handle those relationships in your life? Well, those are some good principles. So be honest, keep calm, attack the problem, not the person, and act, don't react, okay? Four principles. Memorize those. Write them down on a three-by-five card and keep them with you, okay? Those are huge. Uh, I didn't even have to memorize them because they were just like drilled into my head like since I was a baby. So that's just, I just know them by heart. So, but you should know them by heart. And those, act, those actually, those principles, they aren't just like ones that I came up with or my dad came up with. Um, those actually come from the Bible. That comes from Ephesians chapter four. That's the pattern that you see from Ephesians four. I think it's verses 18 through 32. So, so that's there. That's, that's, that's a biblical way to approach uh, uh, arguments and fights in your life. So this is important, guys, to live unstained within the, your family dynamic is, is something that is so important because you have to do it every day. You have to face it every day. So this is a huge area of your life, huge area. And the home is always a place where your true colors usually shine. Who you are uh, at your core is exemplified, is, is shown best in your home life. Who are you like at home? That's probably who you are, primarily uh, at, at the core of who you are. Who, who are you at home? You know, you can fool your friends at school. You can fool us here in the group, you know. You can fool people at church. You can fool people out and about. But at home, that's where it really, that's where it really comes out. So this is important. This is very important. And so I hope this kind of gives you some food for thought. Uh, to live unstained. Uh, in one sense, begins in the home because that's, that's who you are at your core. So let's pray for a moment and then we'll jump into small groups. Father, we thank you that you are a God who, you've given us so much instruction on these things, but you're not just a God who's given us instruction, you've also given us your spirit. And if we're Christians, if we place our trust in you, you've given us a spirit of power one to overcome our sin and, and the temptations in our lives. And I ask, Father, that you would give us that power, even now, to look into our hearts and to see, Lord, what are the ways that we can change in these ways? What are the ways that we can actually uh, exemplify Christ and grow in Christ-likeness in our home life, in the way we treat our parents, in the way we treat our brothers and sisters, in the way we treat our grandparents and other people in our lives who are close to us? Father, I pray that you would convict us, but you would also encourage us as well in these things and help us to know what we need to do from this point forward. Uh, bless our time, Father, in small groups, and may our conversations be beneficial and helpful and practical. And, and may we just uh, be open and honest about these things and, and help us to walk away just appreciating uh, uh, you and the fact that you were willing to, to make a relationship with us. Even though we didn't want to be reconciled to you, Father, you uh, chose to be reconciled to us by sending your son to die on the cross. And that is the greatest form of reconciliation. May that be the pattern that we follow in our lives. In his name we pray, amen.